Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Across the UK, online and... Topical talk, outspoken opinion, and inspirational conversation on the hour of badass power. Underwear, armpit hair, many imitators, but no one compares. Minter, Campbell, and Sexton are your all new Saturday night super squad. Badass women's hour on talk radio. She'll get you talking. One, two, three, four! Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster on a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my co-hosts Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton and we'll be here for the next hour talking about all the things that spiked our interest this week, including the news that Google is being sued by its female employees and that women who have caesareans are apparently lazy. That's not my words, people. Don't shoot me. Uh, so we're going to start with our news review. Nat, tell us what has got your interest this week. So this uh, piece comes via The Guardian and the headline is Google segregates women into lower paying jobs, stifling careers, lawsuit says. So there's a class action lawsuit currently being uh, made against Google in the United States. And the allegation is that they systematically pay women less than men doing similar work. Um the idea is that women enter or, or or join Google, and then they're put into roles within a lower within a, within a lower salary bracket. So anyone that um, wants to equate this to their current work, um, you probably are paid you know between bracket A and B, and it means there's a lower end of a salary and a higher end. So women are put in these roles with lower brackets, and men with similar qualifications are put into roles within higher brackets. And this isn't just one or two women. This is every single female employee that's worked in Google in the United States over the last four years. It's a lot of women. It's a lot of women. It's a massive class action lawsuit. And Google, I think, are quite not happy about it. Not happy at all. Well, I mean, because they've been found out. And again, this is all, it's all allegation. But it's yet again another example and story about a big business that says it's doing one thing and on the other hand are doing something completely different. And if there wasn't any, I guess, fire, there wouldn't be, you know, this is being brought by lots of women. There wouldn't be women standing up saying, actually, now that I know my salary and now that I know what other employees were earning, I was being paid less. And it feels like we were segregated into these other roles. So I, I think the thing that's really interesting for me about it is that um, what it comes down to is not because they're going to say well actually everybody doing that official job title was being paid in this band so you're fine but what happens is that you get a job title but actually you start taking on responsibility outside that job title you start doing more and more work and actually yours and a colleague with a different job title your jobs start to look very very similar and people forget to check in on what their staff are actually doing Emma, do you think suing Google, is this going to get them to take notice and change their behaviour? I'm absolutely shocked that it's all women. Because you can kind of go, oh, well, if there's a proportion, I mean, no, I'm not condoning it, but the fact that it's all women, you're like... But then I'm also thinking about, what was that study that was done a few years ago about job specs and, you know, women are kind of like underselling themselves? Like, I think the 
I'm in my head I'm trying to solve the problem and I'm like what's going on here is it that we're not we don't think that women can do over deliver but we expect men to over deliver and is that why this banding happens but I guess the, the transparency on the pay is the only way for us to kind of solve this right because once you know what you're being paid compared to your colleague and you can compare job roles then you've got the evidence to start to to fight your corner right so remember our bad at our balls up last week and someone was asking or, or said I'm essentially training someone um they're more junior than me and they're being paid nearly fifteen thousand pounds more than me what do i do and it, it seems like again an, an example of that so i just want to say when ellis was hired uh, ellis is one of the plaintiffs hired in 2010 as a software engineer for google photos she was placed into a level three position uh typically assigned to new college graduates um several weeks later google hired a male software engineer who graduated in the same year as ellis in, and he went in at a level four position on her team um, level four engineers receive substantially higher salary and uh, op- and opportunities opportunities for bonuses, raises, and equity. So, I mean, same same skills, same male, skills. female. We need legislation level. that all businesses doesn't matter how big you are, whether you employ one person or you employ two thousand or two million, have to publish their salaries of everybody in that organisation. Yeah, I agree. We do have that legislation. It just isn't working. <laughs> um, so, um, this a second story this week. Women women who say no to men and men who just keep pushing onwards. Emma, what do we think of them? What do we think of these well, <laughs> There was a story this week, wasn't it? A guy in Bristol who split up with his girlfriend and he vowed to serenade her on a public piano until she came back to him. Like, literally was like, I am not going to stop singing until we're back together. Now, that's a bit creepy and a bit weird. So I thought it was really interesting because, in a way, I can see he's thinking, this is my big romantic gesture. This is how I'm showing her how much I love her. I'm going out, going without food, without sleep. <laughs> you know, I'm sitting in Bristol Whatever. in the pouring rain. But it's not, is it? It's no, just he's weird. been watching too many of those films like Love Actually, hasn't he? You know, like we kind of like, <laughs> like, oh, yes, I need this man to like declare his love. And, you know, you're not being romantically should in these big declarations of love. But actually, you know, some of these declarations of love are just like crossing boundaries. If you've split up, you've split up. Maybe send her a letter and say, look, I miss you. Maybe you want to talk. Don't sit at a piano for days on end, almost forcing her out of guilt to go back to you. Like... Or maybe, depending on who ended the relationship, if you did something to be a douche as to why she got rid of you or, you know, if you broke up with her, maybe you shouldn't have done that thing. Should have thought about it before you got yeah. to the piano stage, love. Yeah. Uh, I do think it borders on uh, stalking. I'm not, someone saying, I'm, you know, I'm I'm not going to eat until you come back to me or I'm, you know, I'm going to mm-hmm. sit here in pain until you come back to me. That is like some weird, that's almost, it's narcissistic. I'm sure yeah. there's some kind of weird name for it that highlights why it's a mental health issue. And so fundamentally he needs help. That is not a romantic gesture and should not, not be seen as such. I think that's the really interesting defining point now. And it's like when it puts a psychological pressure on you to do something that you do not want to do in order to not harm exactly. someone else. Yeah. And it, I remember years and years ago having a friend who was going out with this guy and we none of us liked him. And she knew absolutely she should not be going out with him. But he really made her feel that if they broke up, he would kill himself. And that was the pressure that he put yeah. on her. And so she was trapped in it. And that's at the extreme end of this. But it feeds into the same thing. It's about saying, if you are not with me, you are going to make my life so bad and you should feel guilty about that. Emotional emotional entrapment. Yeah. yeah. And it's wrapped up in like big declarations of love, isn't it? And, you know, you find the one and, you know, I don't know. We just have too much nonsense around love <laughs> romance. <laughs> what I love about it is like... We sound to- like some jaded old witches. <laughs> I love some romance, but just give me a bunch of flowers, all right? Don't sit in a park for four days on a piano. Um, like <laughs> Men do these big gestures because we've said to them, you know, I want you to show me your love. And what we actually mean is, please... Just unstack the dishwasher. <laughs> I was going to say yes. the same thing. The same thing. Yeah. That's what I want. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so our final story this week, I don't know if you've uh, seen this in the press listeners, but this is Kate Hudson. She did an interview with Vogue. And in the interview, they asked her, it was one of those kind of you know, quick fire interviews. And they asked her, what's the laziest thing you've ever done? And she put having a cesarean. <gasps> 
and Twitter has gone mad, um, absolutely mad with rage that she has in some way insinuated that having a cesarean is lazier, in quotes, than giving birth naturally. And I think this actually feeds into a much, much bigger story that's been brewing over the last couple of weeks around how we talk about women giving birth because we put so much Mm. judgment on it. And there's now been a release which says that um, midwives can't use the term normal birth anymore because it's judgmental. Uh, We know that hospitals are under pressure to cut the number of cesareans happening. But I kind of feel for Kate Hudson because I think she probably wrote it as a bit of a, bit of a throwaway jo- I mean, comment. The laziest thing she's ever done. I mean, maybe she'd just have a lie in Kate. Like, <laughs> yeah. I can't. That's true. <laughs> the laziest thing she's ever done is not use her brain in answering that question. <laughs> so true. We need a new meme, don't we? The laziest thing that Kate's and done. Just to, and just to say, we are all about the sisterhood and we, we rarely just try and say anything negative about women but I personally feel that we don't appreciate enough and I don't have kids but the fact that you create another human being life within your body and then to have someone judge you for how that human being leaves your body it just it, it hurts my heart almost should we not just be celebrating the fact that we do this thing or can do this thing absolutely yeah it's not easy it's not it's not it's not something to be judged on. I think if you have a cesarean, if you give birth naturally, if you give birth naturally for part of the way and then you have to have a cesarean, there are so many options. Yeah. We need to stop putting pressure on women to come up with some perfect birth. It is a messy, difficult, aggressive, can be amazing experience. Embrace all of that and stop trying to put it in a box. Um, but we're going to be talking a bit more about that because we've actually got an expert She's had two kids already. She's about to have another one. Hopefully not right here today. (laughs) Uh, We're going to be talking to Steph Douglas, the founder of Don't Buy Her Flowers, which is all about how we look after new mums. Um, And she is coming up on the show right after this little break. Across the UK, online and on DAB. (laughs) Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. On Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. Women's Hour, three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my co-hosts Emma Sexton and Natalie Campbell. And this week we're also joined by the fabulous Steph Douglas from Don't Buy Her Flowers. Hello. Hi Steph! <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Lovely to have you. So for anyone who hasn't already experienced it, tell us a little bit about what Don't Buy You Flowers is, how it got started and what you do with it. Uh, it's essentially a thoughtful gift packages. Um, we started as gifts for new mums because uh, the idea came when I had my first baby and I was sent eight bunches of flowers. Um, so it was seven years ago and I was sitting on the sofa weeping and leaking and <laughs> just a hot mess. And I, these flowers kept arriving and I was like, this is amazing because when you're an adult, you don't get that many presents, yeah. especially not just people knocking on the door. But it just seemed like a really bizarre gift when you're feeling that way and you're really overwhelmed, which is especially with your first baby. Um, and so I just thought that's really bizarre. That's the go-to gift because um, people obviously want to give something to you, to the mother, to kind of acknowledge what you've done. Um, and so that was where the idea came. And I kind of I worked in branded communications. I'd gone back to work, and then I um, it, I couldn't kind of drop the idea, which I'm sure you guys all know. And something just goes and goes and goes. So I went, I had another baby, and the same thing happened. And I was just becoming more and more um, in that kind of circle of talking to people and finding out that everyone found it the same and everyone found, finds it hard they might talk about it they might not I'm quite a talker so <laughs> I, I didn't hide that and so that's that's where the idea came from and so it was kind of started as gifts for new mums as I said but it very quickly became thoughtful gift packages because people started to send them for get well um, birthday bereavement and actually miscarriage is quite a big um, reason for people to send them as well which was again none of these were kind of in my head when I came up with the idea but it's all about being thoughtful to someone and kind of giving them permission to sit down and and which we're all pretty rubbish at so that's kind of it I've ordered some of your kind of gift you boxes have. I have various friends of mine who've had babies and they're lovely because they actually you get things like you get really lovely stuff you get a beautiful scarf or some lovely candles but you also get like a magazine so it's literally mm. sit down read the magazine 
chill. I think that's what what I wasn't expecting when we launched was the the for the emotional response that we get from lots of people that get them, which is quite often they cry or you know we'll get a message from a customer saying, "Oh God, she cried when she got it, and she was really grateful." And it's it is it's that you're giving them permission, which sounds a bit bizarre, but if you're in that zone and you think, Oh god, I'm doing a terrible job and I'm really frantic and or I'm feeling really overwhelmed and then someone goes, Sit down, just have a sit down, have a hot cup of tea, have some nice biscuits, read a magazine, it's kind of it's more than just a box of stuff if that makes sense it's Steph, kind of how do, you, how do you feel about being bought champagne so that's a th- so either i bring champagne oh, and well, I've when had, i've had a baby yeah, and some friends look at me like trust you to rock up with <laughs> champagne <laughs> and nothing for the if baby if you know that your friend is a lover of champagne i g- g- bring the champagne okay, on, okay, i'm, I'm probably going to be hitting a gin up with <laughs> minutes of giving birth to this one because i'm uh, yeah i've been really I'm, I'm like gin but yeah i think i've heard quite a few people who who would want to have a drink pretty quickly and some people don't and some people don't drink at all through pregnancy and some people do so it's really but I think it's always going to be a good gift okay even just, if just you don't checking. drink yeah no we've <laughs> got we do champagne we do champagne in our packages like a Amazing. half bottle of champagne um and, and we've got all of it's got options and add-ons so you can make it right for the person but I don't know that many people that would turn down a glass of champagne. You've done this pretty hard work, so exactly. I, and you're thirsty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the main thing. Steph, I always find uh, what I'm finding really interesting about like the entrepreneur landscape is, you know, uh, the women creating businesses and services that have never been created before. Like there's, you know, you had your unique perspective on the world and you saw a need, you saw something, and now you're creating a business. Can you tell me a little bit about that journey from how you started to kind of like where you are now yeah I think I mean it's really interesting because I've had loads of people going why didn't this already exist and it is it's that kind of those sort of the simplest ideas I suppose um I when I first started I, I wrote a business plan that was kind of one of the first things I needed to get it really clear in my head I didn't tell that many people what I was doing um, and as I was doing that business plan, I gave myself, I, I, I think a lot of people kind of said to me, where do you even start? And it's so inspirational and you feel a bit stupid when people say that to you, don't you? Because you're kind of, God, it just happened. Because I found it, doing it one thing at a time was the key thing. So have, if you write a long list of launch a business, you, you can't do it. And actually, if you're doing something that requires delivering stuff, you've got to think about couriers or you've got to think about products and suppliers and cash flow. And there's, there's so many things. And I think having a business plan for me and picking off one thing at a time was key. And I set myself a goal to start a blog before I started the business. So that was almost like the first big stepping stone. And once I'd done that and that went really well, and it was writing about motherhood and relationships and kind of how I how I found it. And lots of people connected with it and it went really well. And that gave me the courage to then get to that next step. Um, but I think then it was kind of, yeah, as I say, picking off one thing at a time. And well, what was your first gift box that you sent? What was that? The what care pack, the care right. package. So mm-hmm. that's still our most popular. So that's the magazine, um, truffles, flapjack, tea, and a scarf. And then now we have options where you can add gin and tonics instead of tea, which right. is surprisingly yeah. popular. <laughs> um, and a thermos mug that you can add to it because you never get a hot cup of tea when you just had a baby. And that and that also works for lots of different occasions. So if it's someone who just needs who's had a crap week. And we get messages from someone saying, I'm really sorry that you've had a bad time at work or, you know, it could be anything. So that and that was kind of where the idea came from as well, which so it's been really interesting because I would used to send that to friends that had babies before I started the business, you know, a bit of magazine chocolate, nothing fancy. It was in a jiffy bag, you know, and they'd be so grateful and kind of, oh, this is the only thing I had for me. And I, that's what I really needed. And they kind of would weep a bit or whatever. And so that that stuck that kind of key thing. And what next? Are you, do you are you if you kind of got the business where you want it? Are you looking? No. Are you being ambitious? Are yeah. you looking for investment? You know, like domination? Yeah, it's yeah. really funny because people. I think when I the when I very first wanted to start my business, I hadn't. I didn't really think about it. And then I guess what you would describe it as a lifestyle business initially, because it was like I want to do something that means I am a bit more flexible and I can work around the kids, and I'm not like running for the nursery you know um and it's closing and all that stress but then it's gone so well and I love it I really really love it so I'm then wanting it to be more than a lifestyle business and you know we've got it's not just me and my kitchen table we did it at home for two years which was really full-on I didn't really realize at the time and it's kind of it's what we had to do because then your overheads are really low I think Mm. you guys understand that 
Um, and then uh, we moved in September last year, we moved to premises and took on um, actually my brother um, full time as head of operations. And then we've just added two, well, we've added another member of staff and we already had one before. So it's suddenly, it's really wow, incremental though, yeah. isn't it? Where you kind of go, oh God, we've got a premises and mm. staff and yeah. an accountant. And yeah. and then you're suddenly at another phase and, and business has doubled, more than doubled in that year. So it was definitely the right thing to do. Great. And getting it out of the house is so nice because it was really full on. Um, but we just it's just what you had to do, really. You know, the kids would be coming in from school and running up the stairs shouting, I need a poo in, in our spare room. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have these two lovely girls packing boxes, like, trying to shut, I'm just going to shut the door. And it was just like, oh, this is just... And I, I want it to be a professional setup. You know, I want it to be a proper business, but we had to do it like that to yeah. start yeah. with. And I think that's... If you go, so if you start a business and you've got to find the money to fund people, premises, oh, you're screwed before you've started. Yeah, and you don't true. know yet if it's going to work, do you? Yeah. Just a quick question from Josephine. She's watching at home. Um, she said, do you do gl- gluten-free options? We do. We've got a gluten-free care package. Okay. Um, and there we you all, go, Josephine. There you go. And there's some re- <laughs> really good... So we didn't initially because there were loads of... Ta- I tried loads of gluten-free biscuits and they're terrible. <laughs> and then um, one of our suppliers started doing them and they're really, really good. So how do you stay ahead of demand? So I'm guessing lots of people give you feedback and say, you know, can you do this and this and this? How do you determine, okay, that's going to work, there's an, there's an audience and there's a market for that, I'm guessing very quickly? Um, yeah, I think you just have to... It's really listening to what people are saying, but also some of it going with gut instinct. And also you get some ideas which are just ridiculous that you're like, we, we're never going to be able to do that and there's not going to be enough people that want that. Mm. Um, but we haven't yet made any major mistakes everything's gone in the right direction okay in terms of what people have wanted and, and quickly where did you get your funding or how did have you bootstrapped? we sell we self-funded um and which means i owe my husband loads of money <laughs> <laughs> um, but actually because we've done it in stages we have we didn't have those massive upfront costs it was all doable like we spent our savings so when friends were going on amazing holidays or having their house redone we haven't done that and that's our kind of choice. And then I'm kind of like, yeah, but long term, when I earn my millions, it's fine. Yeah. So there we go. There yeah. we go. <laughs> so your husband now works with you in the business, right? Because he gave up his job he, and joined us. No, right? no, no, he's no. Still working full he's time. Still, yeah. So he's just changed jobs, which actually he wow. it, it's kind of even more of a commitment for him in his new job. So he um, is kind of we've got an accountant involved. He works in finance. Yeah. So again, it was it was a role that we didn't have to pay for for a while. <laughs> Um, but then it became like him trying to do it on a Saturday, me being really annoyed because he'd not responded to emails. It was like, this is too, this is too much. So we, we've got someone else involved because it's just got too... I mean, we've got, I don't even know how many suppliers, but it must be over 50. And so they all require dealing with. Mm. Um, and yeah, it gets quite... It's got more and more complicated, but in a good way. It's grown at the same pace. So you've grown this massive business whilst essentially having three kids. You've sort of brought them in and up alongside this business. Two at the moment. Two at the moment. Three, yeah. Third to come. Third to come. Third to come. <laughs> um, and one of the things we were talking about before you came in was like, the amount of kind of judgment around women when they have babies and every single step of that baby having process, basically from how do you conceive it to you're back at work and your child is probably 18 and people are still judging you about it. Mm. How did you cope with that? I, I didn't start the business when... So they, they were two and three when I started and I think I feel a responsibility to kind of say it's okay to not be starting a business on your maternity yeah. leave. It terrifies me when you like scroll through Instagram and there's pe- pictures of people who've got you know tiny baby and at the same time they're packing orders at three in the morning and I don't think that's that's not equality either you know you kind of gone swapping one extreme for another um and I had a, I actually had a year off with both babies my my first two I, that's obviously not going to happen this time so it's going to be really different but we're the business at stage where we've got there's people doing things you know we've got a PR team we've got social media covered like I'm not having to do all that day-to-day stuff in the same way so I feel this is a good time potentially who knows <laughs> for me to have a baby but I think there is this um, people feeling they need to be doing it and actually it's really hard having a baby is tough and having your first baby is tough and if you're trying to do the, I couldn't have done it that first two years of running a business I think I heard you saying Emma that 
it, for me, it was that first two years were really hard and we're just about to hit three years. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly, because there's more people involved and you're not solely responsible for everything, it's really enjoyable. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you've kind of got to get through that and all the doubt and all those things that happen in those first years. But doing that with simultaneously with a tiny baby, I, I wouldn't have done it. I wouldn't have been able to do it, I don't think. Brilliant. Thank you. So Steph is going to stay with us for our problem page section, right, Steph? Yeah. <laughs> Very exciting. Because coming up, we have our badass balls ups, which are your problems that we are going to try and solve with really, really helpful, actionable <laughs> advice this time. What do you mean this time? Every time. Every time. Uh, We're going to be looking at the kind of stress around actually having a caesarean and how do we deal with that. Um, And also what happens when you're a freelancer with regular clients but you just can't manage your money. Do you need to bring somebody in to help you? Um, Answering those questions and more coming up next. Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Talk radio. She'll get you talking. Badass Women's Hour, three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter, I'm joined by my co-hosts Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. This week we've also got the fantastic Steph Douglas from Don't Buy Her Flowers. Hello. Thanks for joining us. Hello. <laughs> um, I like that. I like seeing you <laughs> with me. Just having Steph Douglas every now and then clap. <laughs> That's really nice. yeah, record it and yeah. play it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> a little walk-on music. Um, and it's the time of the show where we answer your problems. It's our badass balls-ups. And as ever, if you have a badass balls-up that you want some advice on, you want some help with, do tweet us at badasswomenshourhr, badasswomenshourhr, or drop us an email, or find us on Facebook, or Instagram, all the socials. Come talk to us, because we really love it. Uh, getting up this week, Nat, you've got the first one. What is it? Yes, I have a small online business that launched a year ago. I work on it 12 hours a day, attending networking events, studying marketing strategies and invest in talent to help me grow the business. I feel like I'm putting a lot of effort into my business. Um, but when I look at other people doing similar things, I think they're not putting in as much effort as me, but getting better results. What can I do? And this is from Zena on LinkedIn. Oh, Steph, do you ever get that where you're looking at other people's businesses and you're like, God, I'm, I'm working so hard and you're doing nothing. I think it's only detrimental to look at what other people are doing. To be, I think yeah. you, I think I definitely did right at the beginning more, um, and that, and then you just realise that you don't gain anything from it. It just makes you feel bad. Mm. It's like like life, I suppose, looking at what other people <laughs> have got that you don't, or um, and that's it's just wasted energy where you could be focused on on you I guess it's hard it's hard especially with social media and also I get emails from people going sometimes just saying have you seen what someone's doing and they're letting you know and mm. they think they're being helpful but you're like oh <laughs> I didn't know and I'd rather yeah. not really yeah. <laughs> which is yeah yeah, but so many variables, aren't there, in terms of, yeah. like, you know, us as human beings and our experience of the world, our businesses. And it's like, it sounds like Zima's doing, Zima's doing whatever she can, really. I mean, knowledge is power, right? So the more people you're talking to and the more things you're attending, you're going to work it out in the way. I also think there's something, when I read that email from Zina, I was like, this is great, but it doesn't sound like you're having a lot of fun. And no. I'm not saying that work, you know, you shouldn't be working hard, but I make this distinction in my head. I might, have I talked about this before? I can't remember. I make this distinction in my head between working hard and hard work. Mm. And working hard is great. Really work hard at something. Put your all into it. Go for it. 
But if it feels like hard work, yeah. you're not on the right path. Back away. Mm. Have mm. a little look at what else you can be doing, how you can be turning it around. It sounds like she's working so hard on what she should be doing, but she also hasn't maybe stopped and gone, that bit isn't working, so I'm going to let it go. Now, what do you think? Well, I, I stopped as soon as I saw the 12 hours bit. I was like, babe. <laughs> yeah. Cut Get that. some sleep. Get, yeah. Have some sleep. <laughs> but also time away from the business helps you see all of the things that you could be doing mm. that will take less time but maybe have a bigger impact. So if you're, you know, head to the grind, really, really trying to make this thing work, you be- become obsessed by it. And actually, it might be the wrong thing, but you're so close to the business that you're working in it as opposed to being able to mm. work on it. And I'm sure lots of people have heard that before. I also think that, you know, competition is relative. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's useful to look at what people are doing, but I only say in, in from a sense of knowing what you could do better or smarter, but not to make yourself feel like you're not doing enough. I mean, there's more, there are 8 billion, however many billion people in this world. There are people to buy your products if it's a product that works. Mm. That's all you need to focus on. There's more than enough for you. I think um, one of the things we did at the start was write down what success was to us. Because I think once you're in it, it's really hard to remember what you thought was successful. And it can become, it changes, it might become more financial as you kind of grow and everything else. But one of the things on my list was being available for my kids. That was kind of the whole point. And then sometimes I'm pushing them out the way to work because I'm excited by my business <laughs> uh, which comes with all the guilt and everything else <laughs> but actually if I go back to right, what what was the point of this what, then and then if then if you know your success it doesn't matter what your competitors are doing because exactly. as long as you're meeting your kind of I think that's really important because otherwise it all just becomes about money as well the other thing I was going to say on that is that actually there's something about um, I can't remember what I was going to say do you know what I can't remember it's not that Should important I you off track yeah you did yeah, totally sorry because actually <laughs> <laughs> You're thinking about winning too. (laughs) Yes. So, (laughs) my question this week comes from Sasha on Facebook. She says, I'm pregnant for the second time. The first time giving birth was seriously tough with unplanned complications and ended up with a forceps delivery. I'm absolutely terrified about going through it again. I want to ask for a cesarean, but I'm not sure I can. What do I do? From Sasha. I mean, I have to say, just reading that made every single one of my muscles clench with like, oh. Was so, it the word forceps? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I was doing some like, yeah. pregnancy breathing there. I was like, oh, oh, oh. okay. Um, so we're, I feel this kind of goes back to Kate Hudson and what we were saying earlier about that kind of judgment about what you do and don't want to do. Steph, you do a lot of stuff with kind of some of the mummy bloggers mm-hmm. I, I don't love that term sorry I don't know no. whether they do or not but no. I, they talk about it a lot about the pressure is it do you uh, have to really stand up for what you want yeah right I, I feel like I've come I, you know this is my third and what is really enjoyable about this pregnancy and hopefully about the baby I don't care what anyone's got to say I've done it <laughs> twice and so it's quite not it's quite refreshing because that yeah. first time was just terrifying um and there are lots of other opinions but I think You've got to like if she if she thinks she needs a C-section, she needs to go and talk to people about it. There's there's loads of really good charities um, like Birth Matters. Um, Rebecca Schiller runs that, and there's there's lots of things which um, who well, pe- people she can talk to to get support if she needs to. But really, it's your body, like, and it doesn't matter how it comes out. Really, it doesn't. Yeah. I know so many women who've had C-sections and they beat themselves up, and it's, it's got to come out. And we used to die in childbirth and we don't as much now yeah. because of various yeah. medical interventions. So that's the, yeah. you know. And I think, so this thing that really struck me is that sometimes we can be so, um, not in fear of doctors, but we can put them up and say, okay, well, the medical profession, you know, that's seven years of training, they must know better than me. But like you said, Jeff, it is your body. Mm. You know what your body needs. Now, would you just ask? Would you really push for it? Or Yeah. So, yeah. And I, I, I'm obviously saying all of this in an abstract context, but I, I would definitely ask. But that's quite useful because in a way, you're looking at it really clear-headed because mm. you're not caught up in the emotion of it. It's like, of course you would ask. Like, Why wouldn't you ask? And I think once you're in it, so it's good it's to think back. What yeah. would I have done if this had been my mate or yeah. something? And I've had friends that have tried, that did hypnobirthing and yeah. got doulas and they've really done it on their own terms. Mm. And even when the doctor was saying one thing, they're like, no, this is how I feel. Mm. Just leave, give me the space to do this. And I, I respect them for doing that. So that they've been my inspiration. And that might be hypnobirthing might be a good option for her to even if even if she has a C, it doesn't matter. You can still have a C. It's your it's so much about your mental state. I think. 
Yeah, changing your mindset. Because, I mean, that's a real thing for you anyway, isn't it? About looking at how you feel about something and changing your mindset around it. Yeah, because yeah. I think if you're already anticipating a situation to be bad, mm. you're already going to go into that situation with higher levels of anxiety. Yeah. So I think the fact that she's always almost preempting that it's going to be, there's something about kind of trusting that it's going to be okay and you're going to be okay so that you're, and probably hypnobirthing could be quite good, but I would find that that can be in lots of situations. And if you preempt that it's going to be awful, then you're going to have a tougher time for mm. sure. Yeah. Um, Sasha, let us know how you get on and um, some great advice. I do look up the charities that Steph mentioned. Uh, Emma, you've got a final question this week. What is it? Yeah, it's a good question from Emily. This came via a Twitter direct message. She said, I'm a freelancer with regular clients, but my income is fluctuating, fluctuating, I say fluctuating, (laughs) (laughs) fluctuating from month to month. She said, I feel like it's time for me to make some financial investments, either in my business or in terms of properties. Um, Should I hire a financial advisor? What do you think? I mean, I think people are thinking, oh my gosh, the free money. (laughs) (laughs) You've got so much spare cash. What are you going to do that? So I've actually used a financial advisor and she was really, really good because she made me get a bit realistic about (laughs) what I thought life in the future was going to look like versus what it could actually look like. Um, And some of the things that we don't think about. So in my head, I was like, well, I'm retiring at 55 and going off to my lovely house by the sea and having a lovely life. And she's like, yeah, but you might live for another 40, 50 years after that. Mm. How are you going to fund it? How much (laughs) money do you need to do that? Where is that money going to come from? And I think I would have loved to have been able to work all that stuff out myself, but I didn't know where to start. And the good thing I found about this particular financial advisor was they charge you if you buy a product. They don't just charge you for the advice. So you can actually go and get some free advice and some free help. Yeah, I recently got a financial advisor and it was really good in terms of her telling me, I really wanted my my money to work really hard for me, especially over, say, the next 10 years. And I was just a bit like, should I be paying off my mortgage? Should I put my money in ISAs? And she was like, right, well, if you have a chunk of money at the end of the year, you're going to put it into these four different things. So, And to have somebody who's going to do that, I just feel like if I've got a few grand at the end of the year, mm. I want to make that work as hard as I can. So. I would I really recommend Miss Lolly check Miss Lolly out she is uh, she provides like a newsletter newsletter and gives you financial advice Steph would you you've obviously got an accountant for a husband so you've got somebody <laughs> on the money well, yeah he works he works in finance and that used to lead to massive rows <laughs> especially with the business that I had no understanding of cash flow and how important cash flow was so I'd be like let's just buy up loads of stock and he was like no, no. <laughs> um, but I think it sounds like I think you need a recommendation getting something like someone who knows someone who, that can do it so that it because it's quite personal isn't it and you don't want to go and see someone and it's not the right person for you but yeah I god I had no idea what to do with money and finance and I needed to listen to other people really yeah now we've talked about it before it's one of those Mm. things that's possibly missing from education yeah agreed well I think you know getting into your 30s I think there's a few things that you need I would say an IFA so um, a financial advisor health insurance life insurance um, and a pension if it's going to deliver returns and these are things that I just didn't think about in my 20s so I would say um, Emily definitely at least speak to someone and find out what investments you can make um, and don't just think uh, it doesn't have to be properties you can invest in other startups that's a, that might be a, a way to do something that's close to your heart and also think ethically about any investments that you're presented with you don't want to find out that you're actually then investing your money in arms or you know things that maybe don't chime with your values so take that seriously um but lastly if you want more advice you should come along to our freelancers boot camp at oh, the guardian yes. yes um all the info go to the guardian masterclasses and the info's there yeah lots of info and lots of help there um so we are going to say a massive thank you to the fabulous steph douglas from Woo! Don't Flowers. <laughs> thanks for joining us steph and her brilliant advice uh, Steph, where can people find you and Don't Buy Her Flowers? What are the websites? Uh, so don'tbuyherflowers.com mm-hmm. um, and search for Don't Buy Her Flowers on Instagram, Twitter, yeah. Facebook. Definitely do track them down on Instagram because Steph is hilarious <laughs> on Instagram. <laughs> I love you. Um, uh, we've got our final section coming up, our backdated badass, a woman from history that you absolutely need to know about. And this one has probably been infiltrating your life in more ways than you know how. Um, She's only just very recently deceased, so we're going to have a little celebration of the author and publisher, Louise Hay. Across the UK, online and on DAB. (laughs) Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. On Talk Radio, she'll get you talking.
Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour. All the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my co-hosts Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. And it's that time of the show where we talk about an amazing woman from history. Someone you should really know more about. It's our backdated badass. And this week's is brought to us by Samantha Clark, happiness consultant and founder of the Growth and Happiness School. Hi, Samantha. Hello, ladies. <laughs> Hi. Thanks for joining us today. Who are you talking about? So today I'm going to talk about a not-so-backdated badass, um, Louise Hay. Um, she unfortunately passed away on the 30th of August. And um, she is essentially, I guess, one of the founders of the self-help movement. Um, she's been dubbed as the closest thing to a living saint. And Louise is known for her kind of healing techniques, positive philosophies and psychologies to help individuals really create more of what they want for their lives through wellness in their bodies and their minds and their spirits. And I just really resonated with not only her journey um, from kind of the early struggles that she had with abuse and um, kind of rape and how she kind of took that as a way to um, heal and look out for others. So she started very early on as a counsellor in her journey. And that kind of um, set her on a course to think about how we can really um, monitor our, our thoughts and think about how they impact our ailments and our bodies and the way that we think about health in general. Amazing. And so she's really one of the first sort of self-help gurus from the States, is that right? Yeah. So she basically started out... Um, kind of doing a lot of counselling and then she moved into documenting the mental causes of um, physical stress and um, illnesses that we have. And through documenting all of the emotional problems, she started releasing um, her first book, which was Heal Your Body. And she started lecturing and facilitating workshops on how people could love and heal themselves. And that spurned her next book, um, You Can Heal Your Life. Um, which was kind of a New York bestseller twice. And, and is that the one uh, that sort of made her and made her name? Yes, essentially, yeah. She had, um, it, when it was released, it was incredibly popular on the New York seller best times list. And then she was on Oprah and then it kind of re-energized and the wave kind of took off from there. Where did she get her kind of first, like how did she... You know, she's one of the first people to kind of put a book out and and kind of make that sort of a mainstream conversation. But what were her influences? Do you know where she kind of first started to even think about how the mind was having an impact on the body? Do you know what her early influences were? Yeah, so she basically, um, she started teaching at the First Church of Religious Science um, on 48th Street. And then she started looking at new thoughts. So authors like... Um, Florence Shin and kind of real um, positive thinking kind of um, relationships that she developed with Ernest Holmes, who's kind of a religious science founder. But what she then moved into was more transcendental meditation and kind of yogi, um, kind of really delving a little bit deeper into our body and the affirmations and the way that we talk and how that shapes how we kind of move and be and how we relate to others. She's also quite um, a, a big businesswoman, right? So she didn't just publish her own books, she published other people's, is that right? I think that's what I love about her the most, is not only was it um, taking her own journey and healing herself, but she was like, actually, I want to give people a platform to spread their message and spread their um, kind of philosophies and thoughts about how people could help engage their own life and their own healing. And so she started in her living room, um, a publishing platform called Hey House, and it has published some of the greats like Deepak Chakra and um, Wayne Dyer, who coincidentally died exactly the same day as she did a year wow. before. Wow. And, um, and then also the modern day people like Mastin Kip, Gabrielle Bernstein. Um, and she's really been a platform for just a lot of healing and bringing together people who have incredible messages and leveraging that platform. And I love that. I love the fact that she's, you know, helping people to radiate inwards, but then also coming together and creating collective to help people do it on a bigger scale. 
So I've just gone to the Hay House website and it's also their 30th anniversary. Um, so mm. I guess on the year of her death, it's also a celebration of a movement that she started. And one of the things that resonates with me is that in terms of the people that she published, she published a lot of women. And mm. I don't necessarily, I can't recall that many female voices specifically in this in the movement. There were lots of male voices um, talking about... Uh, well-being and positive thinking but from a very masculine perspective so it's all about hacking the system and I feel oh, like yeah. her books were m more about um, the, the holistic sort of um, wellness movement and I enjoy the female uh, voices that, that, sh that she's published um, what I, I, I guess I don't know is she, she died at the age of 90 there must have mm -hmm. been so many amazing things that she experienced in her journey and because she's not necessarily on social media in the way that um, some other you know, modern day people, people we'd be looking at um, is like I don't have a sense of, of her life and, and the sorts of things she enjoyed outside of Hay House and I, I feel a bit sad about that <laughs> Yeah I mean to be honest I think I just want to give two points to your um, point I think she did publish a lot of really um, incredible women like Marion Williamson her stuff is very deep, very spiritual, and not the the kind of hacking um, mentality. And people like Ialia Van Stant, I can never pronounce her name properly. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but I think she really did reach out to women who wanted to take the message a lot deeper and um, resonate in a different way. Mm. And I think um, when I was doing my research, I didn't realize that she'd come from so much pain and um, a kind of, you know, she she ran away from home from an abusive uh, situation where she was being raped by her stepfather. She changed her name actually. So Louise Hay isn't her real name. Um, and through that, she then kind of went on this process of learning post being married and, and her husband leaving her and um, kind of also then kind of healed herself of cancer of like ovarian cancer. And all of those kind of journeys, thinking about food, thinking about that connection, touching people, realizing that through forgiveness and helping others, you can really kind of shape your, you know, the cells in your body. Mm. So, um, so she was... I remember her, one of her books being kind of passed around my mum and her friends when I was younger. And, you know, they were passing it around themselves as this thing that you had to read. And it was just completely eye-opening and... It doesn't change their lives. And I feel like now we have a much more open conversation about these things. We have a much more open conversation about self-help, about personal development, about the link between mm. mind and body. But that's really because of the work that she did mm. in the 80s and early 90s. Yeah, 100%. And I think she, she made it acceptable to realise that it's not okay to talk to yourself in a negative way because all of your thoughts really channel your behavior and how you show up today and what you want from yourself tomorrow and the year after. Um, and she gave a platform for women to really think about, you know, how we treat ourselves, how we treat our body, what we put into our body. And I think the key message that I get from that and what I resonate with my work is that idea of interconnectedness. Mm -hmm. Like we are all so interconnected in terms of how we think, how that shapes the stress and how that manifests in sickness in our body. But also, I guess a lot of the work that I do is about happiness at work. And I really encourage people to think about how you treat your employees within the workspace because they are so interconnected to the outside world. If that person is experiencing more positive emotions in the workplace with you, they take that energy and resonate it back to their families, to their partners, to their communities. But if we if we don't look after people within that space you know that negative energy resonates outwards so it's very much a case of like happy employees happy companies happy societies you know it's all interconnected <laughs> we do need to remember that we are all connected to each other so thank you so much samantha for telling us about the amazing louise hay um if you are a fan of louise hay do you check out hay house it's the publishing website um, lots of amazing, amazing female and male, but female, mainly female authors on there that we all really love and champion, I guess. So we're coming towards the end of our show now. And as ever, we like to leave you with a little something to live your life by in the coming week. Something to think about over the next seven days. It is, of course, our badass principle of the week. Uh, Nat, what is it this week? This week, it's get lit. And I'm stealing some of the language from the, from the kids. Uh, <laughs> they, you know, they get lit get turned and it's, what does get turned mean you know, like get 
get hype like into the party is oh that someone's God. listening to this and being like no it does so not mean that much. but so yeah it's, you know being being down at the party and stuff. Uh, for the grannies amongst us get lit what is that get lit is is it's the same to be honest it's like have a party <laughs> like have have a friday it's like friday friday get lit let's go people let's live a good life i think it comes from drake or something drake the rapper for people that are like what is she talking about but it's in in celebration of louise hay and her legacy of spreading light and love and we just heard from steph and she was talking about celebrating uh mothers um and i i just feel like it's it's a fun one a fun one to end a Saturday yeah. I mean I do love that you've just like shoehorned Louise Hay and Steph <laughs> yeah. into a Drake lyric yeah. well done um, Emma what does it mean for you what's get lit for you in the next few yeah, days yeah I think you know we were talking earlier this week weren't we and like about just you know how we're all working really hard so I think get lit for me is like you know it's the weekend I'm going to take a little moment to go yeah you've done alright maybe I'll even have a little little boozy thing maybe it's like maybe I'll have a little tipple Maybe, maybe a little vodka. Just enough to wet the lips. Yeah, exactly. Dad says. Get a bit tipsy and go, yeah, you're doing all right, girl. You're doing all right. So basically, get lit is go have a drink and a bit of a party. Is that what I'm saying? <laughs> I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So do you know what? Because we're in a bit of a new school year. It's September, new school year, and everyone kind of gets their heads down. But that is not a reason to not celebrate yourself and what you're doing. So please do that this week. Have maybe with some fizz, but obviously not if you're not an alcohol fan. Many other ways. Um, but we're going to have some fizz. That's what we're doing. <laughs> um, we'll be here again, same time, same place next week, hopefully without a hangover. Um, but if you want to talk to us in the meantime, because we love to chat, do come find us on Twitter at Badass Women's Hour, HR, at Badass Women's Hour. Or you can talk to us personally. Come find me at Harriet Minter, Nat. At Nat D. Campbell. And Emma. At Emma Sexton. And we'll be here again, same time, same place, on Talk Radio with the Badass Women's Hour. Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking.